I like having a little bit more contingency. You have a little bit more operating cash that way. So you can have uh, more flexibility if there are some downturns. And particularly if for some reason the interest rate goes up and your occupancy goes down, your cash flow is going to be constrained. So you've got to be able to rely on, you got to have some kind of contingency to be able to fill that gap. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Depending on where you are in your career, you're probably recognizing that, hey, when I reach retirement, I need a certain amount of income. And the more sources of income you can have, well, the better, right? Typically, you're going to be diversified more and hopefully have more income. Uh, But our guest today, he recognized just that. He was in the military and about 10 years in, he recognized, hey, we need to have some more sources of income when we get to retirement. Uh, And then it was a matter of scaling. And you're going to hear how he and his wife have done just that. His name is Marshall Sykes. He's a president of Captain O Investing Group and is a general partner in 2,700 plus multifamily units across 14 properties valued at over 350 million. He's also owned single family rental properties for over 20 years. He had a 30 year career as a construction engineer, project manager in the Navy and with ExxonMobil, which you're going to hear a lot today. Marshall, welcome to the show. Uh, and first, I, I want to thank you for your service. Honored to have veterans and everybody on that's, that's served and man, seeing what they're up to now. And just first, thank you for uh, your service. Uh, so welcome. Thanks, Whitney, for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, let's dive in. Uh, you have an interesting background. I know you've had a couple careers that uh, I think what I would read, you know, some call like a heavyweight career. I mean, it's like, a, uh, you know, you've been involved in a couple of different aspects, uh, you know, uh, in a big way. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, how that shaped and helped you to get into, you know, what you're doing now in multifamily. And let's dive in, though. Let's tell all the listeners and myself a little bit about who Marshall is and let's jump in. Yeah. So I, as you mentioned, I had two heavyweight careers. One was with the Navy. I was a civil engineer corps officer, rose through the ranks up to a captain, retired after 25 years of service there, and then went to work for ExxonMobil doing complex engineering projects all around the world. So both of them required a lot of strategy and a lot of just um, be, showing up every day and getting getting the job done. So and partnerships and teamwork because all of our projects were done on on teams. Most of our projects, definitely multi multi billion dollar projects in, at Exxon, but also in the Navy, I had a big five billion dollar program as well in Southern California. And backing up a little bit, I grew up in a real estate development family in North Carolina. My dad had retired army and wanted to really just work for himself. He did, he wanted to have his own control of his own destiny, I guess. Uh, he learned the building trade and started building single family homes. Him and my mom would build two at a time. They get some people to help as they needed, but uh, pretty much they did the whole thing. And some of that help was from us kids. We would help out during the summer. So I got some exposure to it. I thought I'd never go into construction or into and work in real estate, really. But fast forward 10 years into my military career, I realized I needed some multiple sources of income when I retire. I'll have my retirement, uh, military retirement income, but how can I supplement that? So we started, my wife and I started thinking about doing real estate and we built a portfolio of single family homes. And over a few years, then we kept those for, we still have some of those now after 20 years, but look back at that about five years ago and thought these return on investments probably could be a little bit better. What can we do a little differently? That's when I started thinking about multifamily investing. 
Wow. It's interesting. You know, your, your parents were building, you know, two single family homes at a time and mostly by themselves. Uh, and so they knew the value of owning rental property ultimately. Right. And uh, did they keep, are those still in the family? I just wondered, you know, how the family has kept those or, or did those get passed down or, or are they still functioning now? So typically they would build two at a time and sell one to keep for income and keep one as rental income. Right. So that, that way they could pay, pay them off as they go. They did have a portfolio of single family homes. My, my dad has passed away, but my mom is still living. She still owns several of them. Uh, in fact, one, one of the properties we built was a fourplex. That was my first exposure to multifamily. And I was probably 15 or 16 when we were building those. And it was pretty hot in North Carolina summers. We still have those in the family today as rental income. I guess 40 years later, whatever, whatever it's been, yeah. Yeah, that is neat. I love stories like that too. You know, they worked hard, no doubt about it, to make that happen then. And, and it is still paying them, you know, so 40 years later and will continue right? And we'll continue to. So I uh, love that. Uh, it's incredible and how that, how you saw that then. And, and maybe, you, you know, you mentioned that, because uh, I think so many listeners that can relate to this, you know, you start in, down a career path, you know, and then it's like, I never, you know, never imagined I was going to do anything in development or real estate or, or like that. But then all of a sudden things change, right? And your eyes are open to retirement years that are coming <laughs> and it made you change what, how you thought potentially about real estate sounds like, is that right? That's exactly right. And, you know, I think I was going through engineering school at, at NC State University. I got a degree in materials engineering, but that wasn't God's plan for me. God's plan for me was to go into leadership to expand my horizons in the Navy and learn construction. And so that is a little different than what I planned, but it was the path that he provided forward for me. And just how that interact, how that uh, interacted with my family, but upbringing in the real estate world has just been awesome, really. And not only that, Whitney, so I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have seven brothers and sisters. All of us do some kind of construction or real estate uh, investing at this point. Pretty exciting legacy my father uh, and mom left us. That's incredible. No, I did not know that. I, I, I love hearing, though, how, uh, you know, people say this influenced me from my parents or whatever, you know, how they did that or, or what, you know, happened to instill that in their children. I have young kids, so I'm always trying to pick those things up, right? I know there's many listeners that are as well. Um, but, okay, so so let's move forward a little bit. I mean, you did, you went into the Navy, uh, ExxonMobil, you, you figured out though, you said 10 years in that you needed some more income potentially when you retired. Uh, and you said numerous sources. Uh, and you said you and your wife actually uh, started buying some single family homes, I think, then. Uh, speak to that a little bit. And then you realized maybe multifamily was gonna be the way to scale that, it sounded like. Is that accurate? That is accurate. So we had bought our own, our first home, uh, maybe a couple of years before we decided, hey, we really need some other income. And in the military life, I was moving around every two to three years. And so my wife's a chemist. It was very difficult for her to restart her career every time we moved. So this is pre-kids. But we, so we decided, hey, you stick it out on this job until we move again, basically. And then we'll use that, your income for our, the seed money for our single family home. So that's, that's kind of how we got started. It, it's a matter of planning ahead, being, being strategic about it, but taking the opportunity where it is as well. Uh, and my brother's a builder, so I was able to partner with him to, to build some of these homes. And that helped me get started. So don't be afraid to reach out to others to help. Let them help you get started because they usually are willing to do so. No doubt about it. 
Uh, many people have helped me along the way, to say the least. And, and oftentimes I'd ask, uh, sometimes numerous times, right? Uh, yeah. All right. So speak to you know your path then into multifamily. Give us some of the, how you did that uh, and, and where you all are now, maybe your focus now. Well, so all right, we've had we had those rentals around for 10 to 15 years. And I started looking at the, you know, the the income, the cash flow, and what's it going to be like now versus what's going to be like when we retire and what kind of cash flow is it going to really produce? And then I thought the return on investment of what you put into it is one thing. When I think it's around three to four percent the most for my rentals, but return on equity. Well, I, actually, the return on investment was a little higher than that, five to ten percent. But the return on equity, what what I had in in the property was a lot lower than that. So let's say two to three percent. And I thought, wow, you got I can do better than that. Uh, and I started looking at multifamily. And at the time, we were actually living in the Middle East, and so we were in Dubai. I was working in Iraq for ExxonMobil, and I so I didn't, had not heard about syndications. But then we came back to Houston, and then. Some colleagues at work and I were talking, and I heard overheard about multifamily investing and syndications, and and I would always wanted to get in multifamily, but I didn't know you could do that as an individual. So I really took that to hold, and we started meeting once a month, talk about syndications, how you can invest in this. We were all doing passive investing at that point, but one of me and another guy decided, hey, we want to do this full time as general partners, and so. We started, we figured multifamily investing is going to get you there in a lot faster than single family. Let's put it that way. You got a lot more scale. You got a lot more, the return on investments normally higher or it's projected to be higher at least. And so we started, we joined a coaching group and then we started general partnering with other others, like-minded individuals and, and deals. Awesome. No doubt. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the the path that everybody takes to, to get here. And it's so often though, they see hey, the, the scale, more cash flow, all these things. Uh, and I, I think you, you made an interesting point earlier, I, or that's so commonly overlooked, especially by passive investors, that uh, is the time on investment, right? And it's like, well, I can go uh, buy, you know, buy some single family homes and, and have that same kind of return. And I'm like, well, maybe. Not many people can, though, if you consider your time spent, uh, you know, or or maybe they've, you know, they've had major success with like one single family home. They found this amazing deal, right? Or they bought it 10 years ago. They just sold it and made a few hundred thousand dollars, right? Uh, because of the time period, right? Or the, the cycle of the market, all those things. And then it's like, well, why don't I just go do that? You know, they're thinking, why don't I just keep doing that? I'm like, well, how many of those can you find? You know, how many of those are you willing to keep taking the phone calls for to manage or, you know, all those things that aren't thought through, I, I feel like often when uh, compared to, Investing passively, uh, you know, as uh, an LP or passive investor. Uh, so, you know, it was so it was important to you, Marshall, to create numerous sources of income, and you know, speak to numerous sources of income. Uh, maybe why that's important, and, and how you started to do that for you all as you, you know, you were planning for retirement. Yeah. So I feel like the financial advice across America is to save a bunch of money, put it in the stock market, and then you can start drawing down on it to live off of in your retirement years. I felt that was too simple, simplified of a way of doing things. And it may be risky, really. I mean, and looking looking at now, I think it's risky, particularly if you retire and then one year, and then in that same year, the stock market drops 20 or 30%, then it's going to be hard to recover over your retirement years. But I like the idea of having new income coming in every year, not or every month, really, not just 
trying to draw down off the stock market. So I started looking at how can I how can I create those multiple streams of income? And there's a lot of different ways, but mainly if you if you own real estate, you're kind of owning a business with every piece of real estate you own. So you have a different business and a different source of income every time. And that's kind of where I I felt like with my background, with my family and in construction, I felt like very comfortable with doing that. The more I learned about multifamily investing, the more comfortable I got. And, and I tested the waters with uh, as a passive investor as well for the first three or four investments I did. And they've done quite well. A couple of them have gone cycle, full cycle and they've done better than the projections. It's really comforting to know that there is a way to mitigate the risks and take advantage of real estate, the real estate market, and to maximize what you can get out of it. And as a passive investor, if you have a career and you love your career, you don't have to manage real estate. You get you do it passively and let the general partners do the active piece where they do all the work and you're providing the money. What would you say are some some good lessons learned, you know, from your LP investments, your passive investments, or, or you know, maybe things you know now you wish you had known before you started investing passively? Yeah, I think some of the thing when you do that first first opportunity as an LP investor, a limited partner investor, it's a big leap of faith. But you know, I felt like it was a big leap of faith every time I did an investment, whether it's stock market or buying my first home or buying my first rental property. It was always a leap of faith in some ways. But I felt like that the big thing is you can you trust who you're investing with, of course. You test that. I felt like I needed to test. I tested three different general partner, general partner sponsors, basically, in three different markets. And I wanted to see how they operated differently from one another and how they operated the same. Two of those have gone full cycle. One of them probably could have, but they, they've just chosen to keep it longer because it's based in Austin. I think they keep thinking Austin's going to keep going up in, in market, market value, right? So it's done really well. But I think just the things I've learned from them are... Different operators, they kind of, they operate a little different from one another. They might give you more information than others. Some are more accessible to, to you than others. This kind of things you got to test out, uh, I think, as a passive investor. Marshall, do you have any predictions just for the real estate market uh, over the next six to 12 months, or maybe ways you're doing things differently because of what you expect, whether it's underwriting or buying or selling or anything? You know, I think uh, I'm not the biggest uh forecaster on those things. But I think the prudent way to do that is obviously to study a few different people, because if you only study one person on the on the future, it's probably not going to be accurate. But if you get multiple forecasters, I think it, you'll, you'll get a better view of it. But I, the one thing I think you, in your underwriting, in my underwriting, I want to test a higher interest rate, because more than likely, the interest rates are going to go up a little bit more before they go back down. I guess they're meeting this week even to do that again. They're, they get, I guess they meet once a month, it seems like. That's the one piece. And interest rates can, if your mortgage is very well, it can really, it can make a big difference in you, just like in taxes or insurance. So those are the big three I think you got to look at as far as money is concerned. What about you're looking at a deal or, you know, even as a passive investor, uh, what do you like to see as far as, you know, the operator being prepared for a downturn or, you know, for some kind of economic downturn? I think it's a great question. I think 
what I like to do is have a little more, you know, construction projects, we had a lot of contingency. We would put in at least 20, maybe even 40% contingency. It depends on how risky the project is or where, where it was located. I think uh, one of the things I've seen in underwriting is uh, the tendency to only do 5% contingency, maybe 10, but I, I like having a little bit more contingency. You have a little bit more operating cash that way. So you can have uh, more flexibility if there are some downturns and particularly if for some reason the interest rate goes up and your occupancy goes down, your cash flow is going to be constrained. So you've got to be able to rely on, you got to have some kind of contingency to be able to fill that gap. What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? I think, you know, I'm always trying to improve my marketing. I do okay okay on it, but I think if I can improve that and and focus on that a couple hours a day, I think things will be a lot more smoothly for me, for us. I think that's the biggest one because I'm not an engineer, right? So I'm not real about marketing and and I work for the Navy and I worked for ExxonMobil, we didn't, I didn't do any marketing in my career. That whole world is just something new for me. Yeah. Maybe you should outsource some of that so you can use your skill sets on where you're really good at, you know? Exactly. My niece is, uh, has done a lot for me. I did outsource some stuff with her and I, and I do need to get back in touch with her to do a few more things. That's funny. It's interesting. I, I interviewed our analyst the other day. It was like a team series. People always ask who's on our team. Well, they do. And he, it was way out of his comfort zone. He was so willing to do it. I, I, even with short notice, I was thankful. Uh, it was, a, but he talked about how, you know, it pushed him out of his, out of his zone a little bit because he's used to looking at spreadsheets and not talking on a podcast. So anyway, well, uh, what about your best source for meeting new investors right now? What would that be? I think for, you know, for me, and given my lengthy career, my investors mostly are folks I've known throughout my career. And if I'm marketing on LinkedIn or elsewhere, or they just want it, they've heard something about it from one of, one of my other investors, it's kind of like, Folks I know already, but those are my new investors for the majority of that. And then I get referrals as well. But as far as people I don't know, then you meet some folks in conferences. I do that some, and I, t- I try to attend some of those as well as the, vir- especially virtually, I think you can meet a lot of people that way with the conferences on virtual conferences. Those are the big things I use for my new investors. I, I, one thing I've always said as a I should stop going to multifamily conferences and go to the, some other conference, like a medical conference. And you can really meet some people that, you know, might be new to this. Yeah. No, I've heard some, a lot of people say that we've done some of that ourselves uh, as well. Uh, what would you say is your best tip for passive investors? I think it's get educated. There's a lot of education on YouTube. You can sort through it a little bit, but you also can get a few books that, that you could read up on it. I think you've got to have... A little bit of education, but also to test this is going to be something that you're comfortable with. You can test it somehow or another, whether you do one investment or you do multiple investments. Uh, you got to test it to see, is this going to work for me or not? What would you say are some important metrics that you track, Marshall? It could be something personally or professionally. I tell people it could be your bench press number or, or you know, it could be the mornings you get out of bed on time or it could be how many deals you're underwriting. What, you know, what would you say are some of the most important metrics that, are, that you track? I think what 
mine are how many investors I've interacted with that week, as well as how many partners I've invested, I've been interacting with per week. I try to to be consistent in those because I feel like that's you keep up on the partner side, you're going to keep up with what you already have that you're partnering with on what deals you're partnering with. You and you learn more and more information if you're staying in touch with them. On the investor side, that investor relations is always important. Investors want to know that you you haven't forgotten them and that you care about them, right? And I, and I do care about my investors and I want to provide them a, a top-notch uh, service to them. What are some habits that you are disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? I think for me, you know, I've always had, I've always gotten up early, even when I was a five-year-old, I've always gotten up early and I do an exercise first thing in the morning. It's been really good for me. Read my, read my Bible, having coffee with my wife. Those are kind of my habits that keep me focused and grounded for the rest of the day. Love that. Uh, the listeners are probably thinking you and I know each other because that's exactly what I do first thing in the morning. I talk about it often. So coffee with my bride early in the morning and we read, pray together, stay together. It's, it's great. Uh, I don't know where we'd be without that time together uh, in the morning and, and with the Lord. But uh, Marshall, what would you say is the, the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Well, I think, you know, being open to being open to learning, I guess, for me whether that's wisdom from God or wisdom from other people or learning from their progress within real estate or just having the mindset. I think I've learned a lot about mindset from folks. Just learning. I'd be, I'd be open to learn. What about uh, how do you like to give back? I think for me, I, I have several friends throughout my time who have started charities. One does an orphanage and or orphanage or village in Uganda. So I like to support him. Another one did a, they built playgrounds in Kentucky for children that were wheelchair bound. So they could also go and play at the playground. Those are the kind of things I like to get involved in to help other people. Awesome. Marshall, it's been a pleasure to meet you, have you on the show, really hear how you started in real estate, maybe even with your parents years ago and, and even came back to that. And I think it's interesting that all your brothers, sisters or siblings are in some type of development or real estate as well. That's very interesting to me. Uh, but then, uh, you know, how you, you've come back to that and and now see the the need for numerous sources of income and retirement and, and even encouraging others to do the same thing. It's so important that we're not just re- relying on the stock market, right? Uh, you know, or, or, or our own 401k potentially. It's, yeah, when we can do so much more than that, which you are doing. Uh, and so grateful for that. Even your lessons learned from some LP investments and, and how to move forward thinking as a passive investor. Uh, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? They can always go to our website at Capitano Investing Group. Also, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I like to post on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to interact with your listeners. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.